Hey there, guys, and welcome back to episode 174 of the NH2A minicast. We discuss anything related to the Second Amendment, including firearms, gear, and current events. I'm your host, Jacob Clifford, joining my co-host, Jerry Mitchell. And today we're going to be talking about uh, when to train and kit. Uh, we're so, actually going to try to make this one a minicast. Yeah, we're actually going to give it a shot. Because <laughs> um, last time, yeah. We haven't had a minicast since like the end of last year, right? Or maybe it was earlier this year, but... Uh, yeah we just tried to record one and ended up going almost an hour so, yeah, so this one's actually gonna like we're gonna try to make that yeah reality so um so anyways um yeah so uh so this was kind of a topic that was going around instagram um discussing on you know when to train a kit should you throw on your plate care should you throw on your chest rig should you throw on your helmet your nods all that jazz and hit the range every time you go into practice or should you just throw on a gun belt or go out with your EDC and just get some reps in? Yeah. So. Um, so I guess um, I think I kind of, you know, it was brought up by T-Rex. Yeah. Arms and so. Yeah. So there's a couple people. We, we both watched the T-Rex video. Yeah. I know he was one to talk about it. Um, so anyways, I kind of agree with like where he's going with it. So like, hey, you get new kit. Um, I think it's great to get out there, test it, make sure it runs, make sure it fits right, make sure it's not going to cause like undue wear on like certain parts. Like, okay, you know, is this like high speed chest rig? Is it going to like make your shoulders raw after a few hours in it? Or is this not going to work? Like when you put the gun belt on and then you put a plate carrier on, are things impeding on each other? Whatever it is, like, I think it's good to get out there and run kit. But to say that you need to run kit every time you get out, I don't, I don't think it's true. Like, I think it's great to do. You have every right to do it. You need to do it at like at certain points, especially, you know, if you're not a person who professionally wears kit, um, just cause you're not doing it, you know, as much. But, yeah. um, I, so yeah. I would, I would say that a lot of that kind of initial fitment and figuring out if it works, uh, like if gear interferes, a lot of that can be done with dry fire. That's also really true. So a big part of it is dry fire. Set it up, run through some reloads. If you're talking about like a, chest rig see if, yeah. the, if the placement's correct yeah i'd actually almost be more accustomed to uh going on like a you know a very remote hike in my equipment more than i probably go to the range in it yeah just because i think it i think it like actually like you're actually trying to defeat uh or like to work with rather the garments that like um you're you know you're wearing like you're, yeah. you're dealing with the weight you're dealing with like versus the dry fire yeah dealing with it during reloads dealing with it during you know malfunction cleaning or whatever it is or getting behind cover with it prone to standing yeah, yeah i think it's really important um a lot of it can be you know solved more through i think just general fitness um but also yeah i think it's i think it's a positive thing but yeah it's not something it's almost more of a distraction when you get out to the range versus I like range belts on the range because they're just more utilitarian. Yeah. Honestly than anything, just being able to keep a few mags on you, a handgun by your side and have like a dump pouch for like admin stuff. Yeah. And having everybody having medical right at their disposal. I think it's more just like, it's almost become like a range necessity now. Like you don't normally see anybody without one at the range. It's just like, that's the standard. Yeah. yeah it's a go-to unless you're doing like a specific, like EDC kind of training yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I primarily train out of uh, Bell. I, I actually put up a little poll on Instagram talking about um, what people train in, like percentage-wise. So the options were 50-50 from inside the waistband, so EDC, versus um, outside the waistband, like your belt rig. Yeah. Um, yeah. 50-50, so then a 30-70 split, a 70-30 split, and then 100%. 
So the overarching one was 30% inside the waistband and 70% outside the waistband. So out of our followers, yeah. most, I could see that. most people are training from outside the waistband. Yeah. No, I, I'd probably fall somewhere into that category. I, I think there was a time where I actually did a lot more conceal work. Yeah. And then I think it was more just because, like, until I got, like, a really good gun belt that I really enjoyed wearing. I yeah. think now I do a lot more gun belt stuff. Yeah. I So I don't do a lot of um, range days with drying from concealment. I do occasional dry fire from concealment because shooting, shooting. Once you get the gun out of the yeah. holster, shooting, shooting. Uh, yeah. It's and really, I think, honestly, just, like, equipment-wise, like, reholstering loaded firearms and stuff, I just always feel... Like more comfortable to re- like, although you should be able to reholster yes. loaded. Yes, but I think it's just gen- generally safer. I yes. guess I'd say to be able to, yeah, to be able to reholster in a outside the waistband holster. Yeah. It's a little ways away from you. Yeah, because no, I've can- actually moved towards appendix carry as well. So yeah, it's also a consideration. That, I can I completely understand that because you know they're called negligent discharges, accidental. Like things happen. Like garments get stuck in holsters. You don't yeah. know about it. And if you're running drills that require reholstering at a somewhat decent speed, yeah. You know, things can happen. So, yeah. and that's that's kind of the, I guess the thing of it is, you know, although I saw, you know, any any concealed carry holster you choose should be able to be reholstered in easily. Yeah. It's not necessarily their intended purpose, just based on what's around them. Yeah. Versus having a very clear and open reholstering yeah. uh, spot. So that's that. Yeah, that's kind of where I find myself is more just gun belt on the range. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think getting out in kit. And having times when you are all in kit at the range shooting, even still, like I like when we try to do night shoots, I like to try to wear a kit, you know, when I can, just to like add that extra element of, you know, whatever it is. And occasionally yeah. just running drills in kit, I think is beneficial. But yeah, there's a time where I think you just need to focus on like the fundamentals more and being able to shoot, shoot from weird positions or whatever it is, especially longer distance stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of, if you think about, if you take a, Ideally, if you take a brand new shooter to the range, you're not putting them in full battle rattle to do that. No. You are teaching them a set of skills and safety standards um, in a stress-free environment where they're not hindered by all these distractions that can mess them up. They don't have to worry about if their plate carrier is comfortable, does it fit right, all this kind of stuff. They're just worried about using the gun how they're told in a safe manner and building that skill so they can be effective with it. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I stand. So. Um, once you kind of build that initial safety, those initial safety standards, and you kind of build in that initial skill, then you start adding adding the layers in there, which would be adding the kit um, on the range uh, to make sure that you can still perform to a certain skill level while wearing these kits that are going to distract you or hinder you in in some way. Yeah, uh, that's kind of kind of where I come from. No, I agree. Uh, one of one of the other points that was brought up was kind of military law enforcement philosophy versus civilian philosophy. So mill and LE guys, uh, actually, I don't know if this super applies to mill, but LE guys especially are wearing their kit every day. Yeah, yeah. like it was brought up in that like video by Lucas that like yeah. military guys do, but uh, that's not more, actually very no, true. It's more like when, yeah. when we're in the field, we would. Yeah, you know. So I guess yeah. I mean, do you have periods? You know, whether it's deployed or whether that's you know, in the field where, yeah, you might wear your kit for months on end. But, yes, yeah. but day to day, it's not like you're really in your kit as much. I mean, probably the most jacked up kits I've ever seen. No, guaranteed the most jacked up <laughs> kits I've ever seen are in the military. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it might be a somewhat misconception. Um, but LE guys, especially like LE guys are in the field every day. 
um, yeah. aside from desk jobs, like detectives or yeah. whatever, even though they're still wearing some sort of gun. Um, but your standard patrol guy is wearing his duty belt, wearing his vest, uh, which is going to have his equipment on it. So generally speaking, aside from the range specific things like drawing from the holster, generally they know if their equipment is a comfortable and B functional yeah. for their day-to-day tasks. So yeah. that's kind of like an inherent built-in thing. Uh, when you start talking about like drawing from the holster, cause everybody's probably seen it. The cops that like are either wearing something incorrectly or there's gross examples of like duty belts being completely upside down. Have you ever seen, uh, there's a picture of this chick wearing a duty belt completely, her gun's oh facing God. upward. Oh, I think I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like New Jesus. York or something. Probably. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so aside from those like out, extreme outliers, um, and, you know, and, and getting your gun obviously out of the holster, making sure that your vest is clear on the side where you draw from the holster, um, all that kind of stuff is important. But uh, LE generally, when they go to the range, they're not in full battle rattle because they're focusing on marksmanship skills. Yeah. Uh, I think military, I'm trying to think. I did a lot it's of times. range specific. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it depends on, no, I guess a lot of ranges, yeah. I mean, I think rifle ranges. We did have kit on, but like handgun ranges, we didn't necessarily. Yeah. I'm trying um, to think how my hand, I think handgun for us like, was slick aside from the holster and maybe a mag pouch um, yeah, versus rifle range. Or I've been on ranges where full PPE was required. So yeah, you got to have your ballistic vest. You got to have your, your gloves, your eye pro, your ear pro, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to remember. I think maybe for us, like, cause I had a chicken vest, I could just wear a chicken vest Yeah, instead of like a full uh, plate carrier. I definitely know when I, when I was taught, on the M9, I was not wearing a plate carrier. I know that for a fact. We weren't wearing gloves. We weren't yeah, wearing... See, I was, I was taught in OSIT, but... Yeah. So I had, you know, you, you have to do the fucking IOTV and all that stupid shit. But when well, I you were learning did... how to shoot a handgun, you were in an IOTV. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, that okay. is just absurd. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we were allowed to drop them. Maybe we were, but I don't remember. I... Because... I, I, I know I had a Kevlar on, like, but, I mean, and, and, everybody... You always have a fucking Kevlar. And we're generally talking about, like, when civilians should put on this kit, and, like... Generally, civilians have nowadays have pretty good kit, especially compared to IOTVs. <laughs> yeah, like, or the interceptors. Some guys that yeah. sell interceptors, bro. Those things, fuck. Yeah, like um, yeah, no, but I, I don't know. I, I think uh, having kit, training in kit, doing a lot more dry fire in kit, and maybe some yeah. movement in kit is more important than just going to the range in kit. Um. But I think there is a time and a place definitely to get out to the range and kit. Like, don't, yeah. don't never do it, but um, don't get so caught up in, like, the aesthetics of the range. Make sure you're getting to the range for the range. Um, one way to really test out your kit to see if it's going to be comfortable during large amounts of movement is physical exercise, um, doing some sort of workout in your kit. Um, like, I notice it if you have anything somewhat abrasive or sharp on your kit like doing like for instance kettlebell swings or something it really if you're not wearing like a long sleeve shirt it really tears up like the insides yeah, of your arms yeah it, it's stuff like that that you don't you don't think about because on the range you're not doing those kind of movements but those are like functional fitness movements oh yeah no i i agree i think um yeah being able to do that just like go split firewood in your kit <laughs> like see what it's about you yeah know? like honestly though like um doing this general exercises maybe doing a workout every once in a while that's kit related yeah i don't can really point out those um just do kitted jujitsu 
Imagine. Yeah. Definitely so wear a mouth guard for yeah, that Yeah, I say nobody will have teeth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's definitely a, definitely important aspect of it. Um, but there's a time to get out there and LARP with the boys. You know what I mean? Like, you gotta have fun. Yeah. yeah and so, like, th- that is definitely a part of it. Just having fun with your friends. Like, you know, like, we get out there with Nate or something. Like, next time we all are able yeah. to get out there i'm definitely you know wear the wear the cry pants you know what i mean probably wear my play i don't know if i wear my play care i wear my my thing too during some of the if we do like a sig qual at, at night yeah i'll probably go full kit well so that's kind of an example for me wearing my thing too like and i've kind of i've almost got to a point it's just it's kind of ingrained in my head where i feel like when i'm in kit i need to have a handgun on me or just in general i just need to have a handgun on me at all times yeah so and this is the problem is my handgun outside the waistband interferes with my thing too. Oh, it does. Because of my frame size or whatever. Sure. Where my holster is. Um, so part of me like wants to drop the holster because it's, it interferes with either if I have a water bottle pouch yeah, or you need to get that little Haley behind the thing Velcro. Yeah. So that, that would be an option potentially to have it chest mounted just to have it. Um, but you know, I like having it secured in a holster as well. Yeah. So it's it's kind of that like kind of that back and forth, but um Yeah. I but like like we're like we're talking about, a, a lot of this can be done it doesn't have to be done with live fire. Ugh. But I know nowadays like a big portion of the the drive in the kit market is for just getting out there and looking cool. Yeah. I mean, so. which is a part of it. I mean, you know, feel good about yourself. Like, yeah. Do cool shit and good kit. Like, have fun. Because, I mean, everybody wants to Everybody wants to look cool in the range. Like, nobody goes to the range to look stupid. But I think a big focus is getting good. You know, getting good at the range so that you don't look stupid when you're there to look cool. Yeah. You know, I guess. So, I, I think, it. yeah, it really comes down to, uh, like, getting out there, shooting, and, like, spending that time behind the scenes. Like where you're not you're not out there looking flashy. You got a gun belt on and a pair of jeans, but you're just putting in work. And then uh so that when you are out there with the boys, you guys can all have a good, fun, safe time. Yeah. And be proficient out there. Um and not look like a bag of smashed ass with, you know, fucking two grand worth of equipment hanging off. Yeah. You. Um Yeah, it's definitely good as you start layering, like like you were talking about throwing in the the night shooting. Yeah. Uh maybe under nods. Having those fundamentals down and kind of understanding your kit. Yeah. Um I, and that's a good a good thing to recommend as well is you need to be familiar enough with your kit where reloading from the chest rig is natural enough yeah. where you can do it under nods. Yeah, which is definitely I think something that probably we could all do use a little oh, work yeah. on. Yeah. Um I also I was actually also thinking on a side note too of um like, you know, cuz we all we have our rucks that we normally would, you know, we march, you know, we infield in last time we uh were hiking and stuff. I even thought about trying to incorporate a ruck drop into a drill or maybe you go for a little jog and a ruck you know we go down the road range road and come back up and then you know drop ruck pre-engagement or something like it's just actually, to, just to yeah. add like because you know there's a lot of time spent where you're when you're moving in somewhere and maybe you might have to react to con- i mean you know that from ranger school and stuff yeah. we, like that's we talked about this a while ago and, and i talked about some of that sop stuff um because initially when you take your contact um you know, you're yelling out the enemy's position, how many there are, distance, yeah, salute, direction. Right, yeah. um, but you're initially engaging with your rucks on. So it's, you get shot at, you hit the ground, you return fire. Yeah. And then it's drop rucks and do whatever you're doing. 
Doesn't whatever. If you're going to initiate a battle drill, if you're going to break contact, if you're going to break contact. You're probably going to retain your rock. Yeah. Um, like, leave all it, your shit and rot. Yeah. Like, yeah. But if you're going to initiate a battle drill, then you're going to drop your rock. Yeah. Which I, is. Yeah. I think could be just an added element. Yeah. We could, we could throw in. And there. that's more like counter ambush kind of stuff. Cause if you're, um, if you're planning a raid or an ambush on somebody else, you're already going to have a ruck plan established. Yeah. And your rucks are going to be elsewhere. They're not going to be right on oh, the objective. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm getting at, I guess, is, um, it would be very good to practice shooting in the prone with our rucks on to see if we can actually, you know, get on yeah. our get on our optics. <laughs> would be interesting to add a time hack, right? So, like, if you did a did one where you have to, you know, you run back fifteen yards prone, two shots um, on target, drop ruck fifteen yards ahead, and then you know a failure drill or something. Yeah. Just to under fucking thirty second time hack or you know whatever yeah, it is something yeah just to uh, just to see if you can incorporate it to just to get that movement there because yeah. I mean getting used to dropping a ruck with full kit on is something that you know a lot of people yeah. have never done yeah um, something might get hung up and yeah it also depends on how you wear your ruck um, sternum strap waist belt mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff absolutely yeah I think maybe that would be something kind of fun to throw in there next time we're out there yeah yeah there's all kinds of that kind of stuff you can throw in, but I mean, if you if you are on a budget, you're trying to save ammo, you can do a lot of that dry too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it's a uh, yeah, it's free ninety nine to go for a hike, you know. Yeah. So also yeah. something to consider. Go for a you know go for a remote hike if you have the opportunity, and you could even do drills on the way. Yeah. You know, you can take you and the boys and just randomly just do one of those like oh contact you know and just react to contact. Yeah. Um, in the midst of a hike, so you actually get the full effect of being winded, yeah. too. And in weird spots, you know, you're halfway stepping over a rock, and then there's contact. Yeah, you, you know? have to find cover. and that's yeah. right. Yeah. And so, like, but, you know, that's reality. Yeah. It's reality of it, so. No, it's a good idea. We yeah. could definitely do that on the power lines run. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, we could. So, have definitely. Like, have a staggered column or, or whatever. You could, We could even walk out in a wedge, although it would be kind of difficult through some of the brush, but. Yeah, um, I think it's yeah. something but, we um, definitely should incorporate. Yeah, yeah, I think to kind of wrap this one up. Um, so when what, to train? What's that? A mini cast? That's actually going to be a mini cast. Yeah, I think we're actually going to hit the hit the time hack here. But nice. uh, so kind of wrapping this up. When to training kit? So like we kind of talked about, build that skill in a very advantageous environment. So what I mean by that is, um, don't burden yourself with heavy kit. Um, wear the essentials. Build the skill become safe then you can start adding on layers well it's like you don't go to the gym every day and kit you know but well, it's the analogy that one guy used was football players don't work out in the gym in their pads oh that's a good really good point yeah essentially yeah you, know, you might run on a plate carrier occasionally but yeah you're not lifting in kit yeah you know um, and then they get on the field and obviously they practice in their pads of course yeah but you know, there's time to practice you know but when they're isolating fundamentals like if you're they working are, on marksmanship or whatever they are down to the essentials. Yeah. And uh, that is completely normal and advised. So, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So, if you guys like what you heard, be sure to follow us on social media. We're on NH underscore 28 underscore on Instagram. That's where we primarily are at. We're also on Facebook, NH2A. If you guys want to catch us on YouTube, we have YouTube format podcasts on there. That's NH2A on YouTube. If you guys have questions, comments, and concerns, email those to nhoapodcast at gmail.com. And finally, we have a Patreon. 
I want to thank all of our Patreon supporters so far. If you guys want to support us on Patreon, be sure to find us on there at H2A. Easiest way to find that is by Google searching it. Uh, all that money goes right back into the podcast and is not minor pockets. Yeah. So uh, my turn. First of all, be proficient. Get out there. Uh, go shooting. Go to the gym. Go do stuff in kit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, find somebody who does. If you do know what you're doing, find somebody who doesn't. Cross train. And uh, if you need instruction, find instruction. Find good instruction. You can always ask us. Um, and, uh, yeah, next of all, be politically active. Politically active. There we go. Um, so write the letters, send the emails, make the phone calls. Uh, do all that Do all that hunky-dory stuff. And um, share good content. Share somewhat researched content. And finally... Be polite, be a good person, kind of person, Second Amendment community, and your local community. I'd like to have you as a part of. Put your shopping cart back, and we'll see you next time. Take care.